This morning's message, it all centers around love, and I'm so excited for today's message. And we've been in this series called Cross Reference, okay? And what we're doing is we are looking at the last words that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross, and we're looking at these words as we move towards Easter Sunday, okay? And if you missed the last two messages, they're both online. You can catch up. Uh, you catch up on the Ridge app or on the website. But we, we talked the first week, we talked about the words of forgiveness and how the two thieves were dying on the cross next to him, one on the right, one on the left. And one asked to be remembered in the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And we talked about forgiveness that comes through Christ. And then last week, we talked about the assurance that that gave the person that was on the cross next to Jesus, knowing that his sins would be forgiven. He, Jesus doesn't say you might be, or he doesn't say I hope you are. No, he says today you will be with me in heaven. And we talked about what it means to have that assurance of our salvation and how that frees us up to serve and to love our God, our Father. So today what I want to do is I want to look at a few words that Jesus spoke, words of love. Okay, words that Jesus speaks to his mother and to his, what some might say, was his best friend. His best friend, John, right before he dies. What did it mean for Jesus to say those words to them? And then what does it mean for us today as we look at them? But before we dive into those words that Jesus said to his mother and to his best friend, uh, let me explain the scene, okay? Let me, let me tell you what's going on. What you got to know is that Jesus has been up all night, okay? He's been up all night going through different trials, okay, all in an effort to find him guilty of something, guilty enough, hopefully, for them to put him on a cross and to crucify him. And then after those trials were done, they beat him, and they spit on him, and they scourged him. Scourging is more than just whipping, because it's done with a cat of nine tails, which means that on the end of each strand, there's a little rock, or, or there's a piece of glass or something. It's, it's designed to rip away at someone. And so because of that, they were only allowed 40 lashes for fear that they might kill somebody from doing this. And so they'd always push it right up to the limit, and they would do usually 39 times. And when they were done with that, they nail them to a cross. The crowd is shouting, insults being hurled here, there, and everywhere. And by this point, everyone who was with Jesus had left him. None of his disciples show up at the cross. The most famous one of all, Peter, right, actually runs away and denies Jesus in this moment. None of them remain for fear of being arrested themselves, but one. One is there. And it's John. And he's often referred to as the disciple Jesus loved. And along with John are some faithful women. There were anywhere between four and six women who show up. They, they show up in various moments around the cross and around the tomb. And, and you know what? While, while I'm talking about this, let's just talk about the role that women play in the ministry of Christ. It's so amazing to see how valuable these women were in this time. We got women doing various parts of ministry with Jesus. We got these that are gathered at the foot of the cross when no one else would be there, and yet they're there. We, got, we have women who are opening up their home and conducting studies in their home for the, for the church. 
We got, we got women that, that said that they sat at the feet of Christ, which is just another way of saying that they were taking the role of a disciple during Jesus' teaching. And so all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus elevating the role of women in ministry, which is pretty amazing, especially at this time. And here they are, they're gathered. And they're gathered to give support to Jesus, but they're also gathered to support Mary. Jesus' mother, she's at the cross. Of course she is. I mean, where else would she be, right? And while she's there, she has these other ladies around her giving her strength as she watched what's happening to her son. In the middle of everything going on, with all the shouting, all the confusion, all the suffering, Jesus ignores the crowd and everything that's happening. And he looks at his beloved disciple, And he looks at his mother, and he says something very interesting. Words that prove his love for them. So let's read this together. This comes from John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And here's here's the words spoken from the cross that we're going to reference this morning. It says this, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which is John, He said to her, dear woman, here is your son, referring to John. And then he said to his disciple, John, here is your mother, referring to Mary. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Now let's talk about this. Now tradition tells us that Mary lived with John from this point forward. And this is important because a lot of people often ask, where's Joseph? Like, where is Joseph in the life of Jesus? Like, whatever happened to him? And you know what? We're not really sure what happened to Joseph, but tradition says that Joseph, Jesus's early father, had already passed away. Okay, and so, so Mary at this point is a widow. And being a widow at any time is very difficult, but especially difficult during these times because they would need someone to help provide for them. And these words that Jesus speaks, they're very simple. He says, Mother, here's your new son. And John, John, here is your new mother. But these words, as simple as they are, they have huge implications when it comes to showing us the heart of God and what God is doing in this moment. God's compassion and his tenderness and his care and his love and his concern for our pain. So, so what do we learn from these simple words from Jesus when referencing the cross? I, I think we learn a couple things. One, we, we learn what it means to love like Jesus. And another thing, we learn the loving response that Jesus has when we're in pain. So let's talk about this morning, okay? If you got your message notes, you can open those up on the app, okay? For all of you worshiping online, if you go on the app, you can find those message notes and you can follow right along with us. So let's fill in some blanks and let's talk about what we can learn in this moment where Jesus shares this kind of love. What does it mean to love like Jesus? Number one, up front, first one, I'm called to love my family. I'm called to love my... This is pretty obvious from this story, right? I, I gotta love and I gotta care for my family. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross, And we're reminded that love isn't just something that you say, it's an action, right? It's a choice. And it's a choice because, let's be honest, it's not always easy to love family, is it? 
How many of you have, let's be honest, how many of you have a family member or two that it is just hard to love sometimes? Let's let, uh, right, yep, uh-huh. Don't look at them. Let's don't make it awkward, okay? If they're with you, don't, 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 don't egg them on or anything like that, okay? Um, but you know, we all have those family members that are a little crazy and hard to deal with, right? And I got news for you. Sometimes you're hard to love, okay? All right? It's, it's true. You know, we're, we're in wedding season, although it doesn't feel like that today. It's like 20 degrees outside. But we're coming up in a wedding season, it's springtime, and somebody said this to me a while back, and I thought this was so true. Funerals bring out the best in your family, and weddings bring out the worst. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty true, because man, it's, it's what should be a joyous time is so stressful, because you're dealing with so many people, right? And family, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. But we're called to love our family. Let me give you three ways in particular. I think that we can notice from the cross and how we're supposed to love our family. Number one is that love pays attention. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. He paid attention to his grieving mother who's standing at the foot of the cross. I imagine it this way. Have you ever seen one of those movies where one person walks into one, room, one side of the room and the other person walks into the other side of the room and they lock eyes on each other and then all of a sudden everything else fades away. The music the conversation, it all kind of drowns out. Everything else is out of focus and these two become in focus because they're paying full attention to one another. I imagine that's what, kind of what's going on here. For a minute, Jesus just tunes everything else out and he completely focuses on his mother. He ignores the people mocking him, the critics, the insults, and he just gives her his complete and undivided attention. Attention is one of the most valuable gifts that you can give, especially when it comes to our family. And I was thinking about this the other day because I, th I thought about how hard it is sometimes to give our attention, especially when our kids are little. Some of y'all are in that little phase. I remember when my girls were little and they were just all the time, they were like, Daddy, 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 watch this. And then I would, what, what is it? And they say, watch this. And then they'd stand on one foot. And I'm like, that is so great. Good for you. Yes. You know what that's like, right? They demand attention all the time, but we need, we need to give attention because it's so valuable. When you give someone attention, man, you're giving them part of your life. You know, you can always get more money, you can always get more things, but you can't ever get back time. And when you take a moment and just focus on someone else, you're letting them know you are valuable and I love you. So my question is, do you need to pay more attention to your family? And if so, who? Who needs your attention today? Because we're called to love our family. And love pays attention. Another thing love does in our families is love also provides for needs. We're called to provide for one another. I love how Jesus is so concerned for his mom. Okay, Mary is older. Might not have much available to her right now. Most likely a widow going to need help going to need someone to care for her, like I said earlier. And, and it's not like Jesus has anything to offer her, right? He doesn't have an inheritance. He doesn't have a life insurance policy. He doesn't have a home to leave her. He's actually homeless himself, if you remember his teachings, right? He doesn't even have any clothes on his back because they, they have taken those from him. So what does he do in this moment? He takes the person that he trusts the most, and he takes the lady that he loves the most, and he asks them to provide for each other. 
So what does this teach us? Well, the Bible tells us that just as we're supposed to pay attention to each other, we're also supposed to provide for one another. 1 Timothy 5.8, he says it this way, and Timothy gets very, uh, Paul gets very blunt when he's talking to Timothy, and he says, whoever does not care for his own relatives, especially his own family members, has turned against the faith and is worse than someone who does not believe in God. This is pretty blunt. I mean, this is, this is right in your face here. And I think it's because love starts in the home. Like, like we got to get this part right of loving our family and loving them well and providing for them. Because when we get that right, then it's easier for that love to spill out into those around us. Right? But if we don't get that right, then it's going to be even harder for us to love other people. Providing for our families in a loving way will help us understand what it means to love and care and provide for our neighbors. So love pays attention. Love provides when it comes to our families. Love also gives emotional support. Now imagine Mary. Let's look at this from Mary's perspective for a minute. She is at the foot of the cross watching her son. Watching this tragedy play out right before her eyes. She's overwhelmed. I mean, think... Think of everything that she's going through. Think of everything that she's gone through up to this point. I mean, being the mother of Jesus could not have been an easy job. Okay, let's start with the virgin birth. At such a young age, she was a teenager, and trying to explain a virgin birth to everyone. I mean, how many people actually believed her in that moment, and yet this is what happened. And then once Jesus was born, they took him to the temple, and some prophet named Simeon actually grabs Jesus out of her arms, holds him up, and begins to prophesy about the tragedy that's going to happen to Jesus. And then, not only that, but he looks at Mary and he says, oh, and by the way, a sword is going to pierce your heart also. And foretelling this moment where Mary is going to be standing at the foot of the cross, he's telling her, you're going to suffer as well. I'm sure Mary in that moment probably looked at this stranger and was like, give me back my child and stop talking, right? And then when he's done, Herod decides to put all the babies under two to death. And so they leave and they escape to Egypt. And then after some time, they move back. And when they move back and Jesus goes through and, and he begins his ministry at age 30, he, he begins doing some miracles and he goes back to the hometown of Nazareth, right? And he proclaims himself as the son of God. And the people around him who knew that family so well get so upset with the fact that he's proclaiming to be the son of God that they hurl insults with him and try to push him off a cliff. And Mary's watching all of this happen with the people that they know their so-called friends, that hometown, the people they grew up with, they're actually trying to kill him now. What does Mary do in that moment when people start talking bad about her son? The Bible doesn't tell us what Mary said or thought because I'm sure it wasn't very biblical. <laughs> and these are just a few of the stories. All that to say, I'm sure that it's been a very hard road for her. But what I love about this story is that Mary is there. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. It's what we do in our families. That's how we love. So if we're going to love like Jesus, if we're going to love like Mary, 
then we've got to show up, we've got to stand up, we've got to speak up for the people that we love. We don't let them get tortured on their own. And when everybody else flakes out and runs away, Mary's hanging on. She's right there, steady by his side. That's what real love looks like. Love shows up in the worst moments and gives that emotional support that's so desperately needed. So, learning to love well, oftentimes it begins in the home, right? It can begin by loving my family. Among many things, man, I'm called to pay attention, I'm called to provide, I'm called to give that support that my family needs. And that's with our families when it comes to love. But then let's broaden the scope a little bit, and let's go to point number two, because I'm called to love my family, but I'm also called to love others, okay? I'm called to love others. And this is like, this is like the great command. We know this, right? Love Jesus, love others. This is what it all comes down to, of course. But I want to focus on something else when I talk about others. I want to talk about other believers for a minute. I want to talk about the church family, okay? Because while we're talking first and foremost about our you know, our families at home, I want you to understand that this ridge is a church family. And I want you to know how much I love this, our spiritual family. Those of us who are in Christ, we're part of the family of God. You know, every now and then I'll, call, I'll have somebody call me Brother Jimmy. And I remember when I was little, man, there used to be a lot of that, especially in the South. Brother, I'd, I'd hear people call my dad that, Brother Jim, and, you know, uh, Sister Debbie or something like that when they refer to my mom and dad. And, you know, you know I, I thought about that and I, I thought, you know, this would be a great thing to kind of bring back. It's because we're all brothers and sisters in the family of God. You know, I, I think about this as Lexi faces her surgery and how she doesn't have to face it alone because she has such an amazing family at home, but she also has an amazing church family that's right there for her. And for everybody that's going through something significant in their life, it's so great to know that we have the love of a church family. Romans 12.10 says this. It says, be devoted to each other like a loving family. And the writer here, what he's doing is he's talking about the church. So, you know, looking back on this story at Jesus on the cross, I find it very interesting that Jesus has brothers and sisters, okay? I, I want you to know that. Jesus did have brothers and sisters, although uh, I'll warn you, if you ever say that in front of a Catholic, you might be in for an argument, okay? But that's, that's another topic for another day. He does have brothers and sisters. We know this because Scripture teaches us he does, and James wrote a book in the Bible, is the brother of Jesus. But anyway, he does have family. And it's interesting that none of them show up at the cross. They aren't there. And I think that, the main reason is because they had a hard time buying what Jesus was selling, which is understandable a little bit. I mean, imagine if your brother tried to tell you he was the son of God. Like, what would you do, right? Give him a noogie and then ask him if he saw it coming? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But, <laughs> but seriously, they didn't believe him, of course. They didn't believe him until after the resurrection. And then that changed. That changed things. But in these final moments, Jesus entrusts his mother, not to his family, but to a church family member. If you will allow me to say that John was a part of the church family, he entrusts her care to another believer. 
And I'm sure that John was probably thinking back at this point when Jesus was preaching and teaching in Matthew 25. Jesus actually makes it a point one time when he's talking about doing the will of his heavenly father. And he says, you know what? If anybody does the will of my heavenly father, they are my brother and sister. And basically what Jesus was doing is he was just pulling us all into the family of God. So these examples, man, it just goes to prove how strong Jesus considers this bond that we have in the church family. So you know what? I'm called to love my family at home. I'm called to love my church family, my spiritual family together. And I think we can also learn from this story number three. And this is the one that I really want to lean into this morning. I'm called to love others in the midst of my pain. I got to be willing to see others' pain even when I'm hurting myself. As a Christian... I can't be someone that just helps other people when things are going well in my life. When everything's good and hunky-dory, that's when I'll look to care for the needs of other people. That's not how it works. I got to be willing to see and help with the pain, even when or if I'm in pain myself. And think about Jesus here. Okay, think about this is the most awful moment for him. This is the most awful moment in mankind. Think about it, the Son of God dying in front of us. There is no greater tragedy in this world. He's in excruciating pain. And in his dying moments, he doesn't just stop and focus on himself. No, what Jesus does is in his dying moments, he looks at his mother and he feels her pain. He looks at his friend, John, and he feels his pain. And I don't know about you, but this is not normal. This is not normal. This is what we need, the, the help and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because typically when we're in pain, when we're struggling, when we're afflicted with something, man, we turn inward. You know, we're, we're, we're so self, we can turn just into self-centeredness so quickly. And I'm, I don't know, but I'm speaking for myself too. I mean, I'm the worst at it. Let's just take, let's take for an example, let's just take getting sick, catching a cold, okay? If you're, just, if you're just catching a cold, when I'm sick, I am the biggest baby. How many of you would agree and just say, when I'm sick, I'm a big baby? Let me see, time of confession. Is anybody else going to raise their hand? No, just me, that's okay. How many of you, here's what we're going to do. How many of you would say, I'm married to somebody that's a big baby when they're sick? Oh, there's the hands. There's the hand. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But you know what? It's so funny. When I'm sick, man, I, you know, I, I expect Shannon to do things for, for, for me, make sure I'm taking my medicine, you know, check up on me numerous times during the day, make me soup, right? But when Shannon's sick, I don't want to be anywhere near. I will sleep on the couch, right? I'm not going to be in the same room. I don't, want, I don't want to get sick, right? But I'm very selfish in my pain. And I don't know about you, but that's just one example. It's just kind of a silly example, but, you know, when I'm in pain or when I'm hurting or when I'm upset, it's hard for me to look at the needs of other people in my family or in my church family sometimes. Normally, what we do is we pull into a shell. But Jesus, in his excruciating pain, he's looking for other people to help. And that's love. Philippians 2, 4 through 5 says this. 
It says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You've got to have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You're called to share that same attitude. You're called to love and to look. No matter how you're feeling, you're called to love and look. Look for those around you. And this, actually, y'all, is one of the ways that we can pull ourselves out of the pain that we're experiencing. And here's what I mean by it. If we're in pain and we're just wallowing in it, nothing's going to change, right? Nothing's going to really get better. It's just going to remain the same. So maybe the key to overcoming grief or, or pain sometimes is to refocus, is to take the focus off ourselves and place it on someone or something else that needs love and care. That's how. That's how we pull ourselves out. That's how Jesus finds a way to work. And while we're talking about pain, maybe you, right now, you're experiencing something pretty traumatic. Maybe you lost a job or a loved one or... Maybe you're hurting physically or maybe you've got a fear or your heart is broken. And as your pastor, I'm so sorry that that's happened to you. But let me remind you of a few things. In your pain, I want you to know that Jesus cares about your pain. Okay, I hope you understand that. Even even when he's dying on the cross, this is what we see. He is caring for the pain of the people that are standing right in front of him. Number two, I want you to understand that you don't need to handle it alone. Okay, you are never meant to handle pain by yourself. You might want to learn to accept the love and the care from other people, especially when it comes to this church family. And maybe one of those ways is getting more involved. And then the third thing I would say is that if you're going through some pain right now, find someone to help. This is the example that we're seeing here. Again, refocusing sometimes is the key to overcoming grief. And here's how you know this works. Anytime you've been on a mission trip, For those of you that have done any kind of mission project, you know you come out of that experience feeling better than the people you actually help. How many times do you go in and you help rebuild a house? I remember a while back, um, Hannah Massey is here this morning. She's one of my college students. We've got college students that are still in ministry. She's in ministry in Lexington. She's visiting. And I'm thinking about the time that me and Afton and Allison and a bunch of college students, we went down to do Hurricane Katrina relief in the months right after that devastation. Some of the slabs were just completely empty. There was no house to help. In other houses, we were doing a lot of remodeling. But in those moments of of ripping apart houses so they could rebuild, in those moments, we found that work to be so beneficial to us. And it blessed us more than it did the person we were trying to help. Because in those moments where we're helping other people and we refocus... It's almost like we're forgetting our problems. We get our mind off the pain that we have because we're so focused on helping someone else. And there's joy in that. There's joy and there's growth that comes when we learn to look outside of ourselves and love others. So the most important thing, though, is that if you're in pain, look to Jesus. Jesus wants to give you his best just like he did for his best friend and for his mother. He looks at John, 
and he gives him the honor of caring for his mother. He, he gives his best to John, and then he gives his best to Mary. He gives his best friend to care for her. Jesus wanted to give them what they would need, and he was able to do it. And here's the reason he was able to do it is because they were close to him. Okay, he can provide better for us if we're close to him. If you want his best, you got to get near him because the answer to every one of our needs is always found at the foot of the cross. So as we close this morning, I hope that you're reminded that Jesus loves you and he expects you to love others. It's part of the great commandment. So, so you know what? Love your family. Love your families. Love your spiritual family here at the Ridge. And look for ways to love each other, especially those that are going through a difficult time. Because love will not only heal others, but it will bring healing in your life as well. Let's pray together. God, you know the pain that we're going through right now. So God, help us, even in the midst of our pain, even in the midst of our struggles and whatever we're going through in our own lives, God, help us to love others the way you did. Jesus, continue to teach us how to love. And God, I just pray it starts in our homes. God, I pray that we would pay more attention. God, that we would provide for the needs of those who ask for help in our homes. God, help us to offer emotional support to the family needs as they struggle with their pain and trouble. Because God, if we get it right in the home, we understand that then it'll spill out in the lives of others. And so God, help us to love others in the same way. God, I thank you for this spiritual church family. And we thank you for providing the ridge and the people that are here, God. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, help us to be a church family that provides and cares and loves one another as the body of Christ. And then, God, help us to look outside of ourselves and love and care for others even in the midst of our own pain. Jesus, we thank you for caring for us. Help us to receive the blessings from learning what it means to refocus and serve others instead of being so consumed with ourselves. So Lord, I just pray for whatever is going on in the lives of those that are gathered here this morning, those that are worshiping online, God, that you would provide and meet their needs. But God, we also are reminded this morning that the best way for you to answer us, the best way for you to provide for us is to be close to you. So as we journey towards Easter, God, help us to draw closer to the foot of the cross, just like John and Mary did. Because it's at the foot of the cross that we find your grace and your provision. Jesus, we want to be closer to you now than ever before. God, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen.